dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I'm your host, Jason Johnstone Yellen. Mm. John Stone. Today. John Stone. <laughs> wished I haven't introduced you yet. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> I haven't wished, wished <laughs> I haven't introduced you yet. Here with me to cover a whiskey-related news story is Joshua Morrissey Hatton. Hello. Hey, Jason. John Stone Yellen. How are, how are you doing? I went harsh. I went with the American pronunciation. Does that drive you a bit bonkers? You know, I'm trying to be just easier in my life. Just let a few more things go. Jesus. Oh, but apparently not for everybody. Not for me. Not for everybody. Yeah. There's yep. some people I just I have to keep under the cosh or they get a little bit too carried away with themselves. <laughs> Every episode of Extra Extra involves Joshua or myself bringing a whiskey or sometimes whiskey adjacent news story to the attention of the other. We read it in the first half, we riff on it in the second half, and we try to get out in a tight 30 to 35 minutes. Last episode, we really got into the swing of things, and we said during the episode that it might run a little bit longer. But it was so much fun talking about gift giving, and how one interacts with a whiskey, and how one shares whiskey, and what might be a good thing to take to somebody's doorstep. So, I'll be honest, I enjoyed myself. I hope you did too, dear listeners. Joshua, you you were gagging for more. I, well, yeah, I, I actually suggested another list for today's episode, but you wisely said, no, 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 we, we can't do that that many lists. Let me say this one thing before we too bring us to, yeah. to today's story. I I have not purchased anything from the last list. However, I I really am honest in saying that I think I may get that uh, Johnny Walker Year of the Tiger um, mm. Ghost Distilleries bottling. Uh, I think the price was right. Mm. I think the packaging is handsome. And, um, you know, I usually don't buy from lists. And I was surprised by that. And, and the, way, the way the author talked about the bottling, I found intriguing. So I actually may... For the first time in my life, buy from a list. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to go back to the original news article and click through on the links? So oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to get... A little little pushback, a little buyback, I wanna a little get interest. The, I want the, the author to to know that the sale came from, from his article. <laughs> okay. so, so enough about the last episode, which already rang long, and now here we are bringing it back into this week's episode. What do you have for us today, Joshua? It's your turn to to bring something to our attention. It is, and and I'm glad that you mentioned whiskey adjacent because this article, while it does definitely talk about whiskey, it talks about whiskey adjacent things. This came mm-hmm. from the drinks business, and uh, it's a slightly older article. And by older, I mean it was written 24th of November. Uh, by one Eloise Fielden. And okay. the the headline reads, Craft Spirits Surpass Growth of Non-Craft Spirits in the U.S. And there's a... Okay, okay. Yeah. Focus on growth, not, and growth. not yeah, hard yeah. and fast numbers. We're looking at growth. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm with D- you. Big difference between growth and overall monies spent. Mm. 
Indeed. between categories, right? And so then there's a subheader, and it just says, the fast-growing craft segment of the U.S. spirits industry is set to vastly outperform the main market in the coming years, according to IWSR drinks market analysis data. So hmm. here's the article. In 2020, despite the effects of the pandemic, craft spirits in the U.S. registered a volume gain of almost 8%, while non-craft spirits gained approximately a 5% growth. The craft segment therefore achieved a 5% volume share of the total U.S. spirits market and a 7% value share. So let me pause you. Yep. Because my brow was already furrowed. <laughs> so in 2020... Obviously, we know there was the pandemic and the various shutdowns mm -hmm. and yep. the loss of tasting rooms. Heard and, of them. Yep. and craft spirits lost a lot of their, their business. We also heard that consumers purchasing in stores were falling back on the old affordable favorites. Mm -hmm. The Jack Daniels, the Jamesons of the world. Mm -hmm. I'm very surprised for 2020 there was greater growth in a diminished category, triumphing over a gigantic category. But we're talking growth. We're exactly. We're talking growth. So keep keep that in mind. This again, this is growth, you know, this isn't the cash register ringing one category versus the other, it's which category experienced slash enjoyed more growth over the other. And in this case, the craft enjoyed more growth over the non-craft spirits category. So you could be Jack Daniels selling a shit ton of bottles and you could be Jameson selling a shit ton of bottles, mm. but you do that year in and year out. Yeah. So you haven't grown past your previous year's numbers, even though you're doing a roaring trade? Well, to be honest, a lot of this should really be held for the second half of the podcast. However, what I mm. will say mm. is just just think about all... You know, well, I feel suitably chastised. <laughs> you're welcome. This is targeting U.S. spirits brands. And when you compare the number of big players in U.S. spirits compared to the number of players in U.S. craft spirits, it would make sense that you would have more growth in craft because you're looking at 2,500, 3,000, somewhere around there, give or take, number of distilleries that are pr producing some sort of craft spirit, be it whiskey, be it vodka, be it gin, be it grappa, be it whatever, right? So the number of distilleries... Craft distilleries far outweighs the number of big, huge distilleries, your Buffalo Traces of the world, your Heaven Hills of the world, etc. Right? So let's just keep that in mind. We're gonna that's that's setting the table. And let me continue let me get to the second paragraph. Okay, I'm I'm buttoning my <laughs> lip. Please continue. <laughs> the trend One more question. Mm. No, that's a joke. That's a joke. Carry on. Going into the second paragraph here, we're going to get some acronyms going on, and I just wanted to make clear as to what those are. 
So we, we've already read IWSR. While I don't know what IWSR is, it's a drinks market analysis company. They're IWSR drinks market analysis. And you could check them out at theiwsr.com. Mm. And, and then further on, they start talking about CAGR, which, which is a financial term. It just basically means compound annual growth rate. Okay. So, okay. compound annual growth rate. Yeah, li- I have it in my notes. Yep. The trend for premium artisanal, also known as artisanal, spirits is gaining significant traction across the U.S. IWSR analysts predict the gap between craft and non-craft spirits will widen in the coming years. U.S. non-craft spirits is expected to register a 4% C-A-G-R, and and again, that is compound annual growth rate, Mm -hmm. uh, for 2020 to 2025, so 4% for U.S. non-craft spirits, compared with a predictive growth of 21% C-A-G-R in U.S. craft spirits in that same period. That's pretty huge. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. COVID-19 caused serious challenges to the craft spirits sector. Forced closures, lack of access to pubs and bars, key revenue drivers for small producers put small businesses under strain. But the impact on sales were less severe than expected. Interesting. Lock- yeah. Lockdown measures forced distillers to diversify sales channels and capitalize on at-home drinking which really makes it sound like let's target the alcoholics guys uh and i think what they mean is with the lockdown you didn't have bars you didn't have restaurants how do you work better with your retail shops right i think that's a better way of saying it than at home drinking anyway the other thing for me is as you as we talk about us craft writ large and we present it as a monolith here I'm sure there are some craft producers who made out very well, given these statistics. And I'm sure there are many who didn't fare at all well. Mm. And mm. so I, I, sometimes it's easy to, I think, make a mistake here. When you hear this U.S. craft spirits growth, you think, oh, that distillery in the same state as me or that distillery up the road from me, they did that well in all of this? There's a chance they didn't. There's a chance that they nearly went underfoot. Whereas someone else in a state you've maybe never even heard of did phenomenally well. So I think it's always good to temper an entire industry against what you might know locally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's continue. And this is is a quote. Uh, While there was a substantial deceleration in growth, craft producers, and indeed the total U.S. beverage alcohol market as a whole, performed better than projected last year due to consumption switching to the home premise, says IWSR analyst Ryan Lee. Mm -hmm. There was a record 56 distillery closures in the U.S. in 2020. Ah. There you go. The point Jason just made a paragraph ago. Okay, cool, 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 cool. But the craft segment saw the opening of 33 more distilleries than in 2019. 
the number of new craft distilleries is set to significantly ramp up in the next four years, with a predicted 265 set to open in 2025 alone. Quick pause. Let's just put this into perspective. I was just in a conversation earlier this week talking about the 140 or so distilleries in Scotland. Some of them are traditional distilleries going back to the 1700s, the 1800s, the 1900s. And in just 2025 alone, we're expecting another 265 distilleries to open up. That's insane. Yep. I'll continue. All we should come back to that point in the in the second half. Is Please. the advice I've received in this podcast? All oh, right. Oh, I see what you did there. What's good for the goose is uh, good for the gander, as they say. All right. Glad that, to know I'm the, I'm the gander in this relationship. I'll see you in the second half. <laughs> All categories, even those seeing declines in the total market, are predicted to post growth in the years to 2025. A prime example, the the total U.S. rum category is expected to see a 2020 to 2025 CAGR volume decline of 1%, while craft rum is forecast to grow 12% in the five-year period. Whiskey Mm. is the largest category in the U.S. craft spirits market, making up more than a third, 36% to be specific. Subcategories such as Tennessee and blended whiskey are expected to hold the greatest volume growth potential within total U.S. whiskey. However, craft gin is forecasted to post the greatest growth in total spirits over the forecast period. In 2020, craft gin only possessed a 9% share of the total U.S. craft spirits market, but the category is forecasted to register a CAGR of 23% from 2020 to 2025. This compares to a 2% CAGR for total gin in the U.S. over the same period. Craft gin benefits from a significant price premium, while the average retail price of 750 milliliter bottle of gin sold in the U.S. last year was $16.77, the average craft gin retails for more than $30 U.S. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quote, right, which te- I'll, I'll tell you what it tells me in the second half. How's that? Quote, brands are also driving up their popularity with consumers by leveraging regional botanicals, aged expressions, flavors, and other innovations, say Lee, or says Lee. And flavors was spelled with a U. Yeah, right? I think they're, do- I think they're doing what, what we do. When we see the word whiskey with an E, we, we override that and we just remove the E, regardless Some would say irregardless, but I would tell those people that word doesn't exist. It's not real. Anyway, let me continue. These findings suggest the U.S. craft spirits segment has ample opportunities for evolution and growth and continues to be an attractive investment proposition for brands, says Lee. And there we go, Jason. Thank you. Should we take a short break here and reconvene for a little bit of a riff in the second half? We're not going no further! We've had a breather! 
Jason. No, not your podcast. <laughs> so, Joshua. <laughs> uh huh. So, welcome to the second half of today's extra extra. There was something you said that we put a pin in right. to respond to in the second half. Do you remember what it was? And I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Was it the two hundred the two hundred sixty five number and kind of like that's one yeah, of the things to return that, that's, to. That's that's what it was. You know, it, again, it's back to this point where we've been talking about this significant distillery boom within Scotland. You know, back in back in two thousand three or four, somewhere around there, when I started dabbling in whiskey, there was around 115-ish distilleries somewhere around there, maybe 120. And now we're reaching 140 and actually a a bit more. But then again, we're, we're talking mostly whiskey here. In the article, it says in 2025 alone, the U.S. is expected to... To, to have another 265 distilleries built. Now, it doesn't specifically say 265 whiskey distilleries, yeah. but yeah. you and I know that the vast majority of these distilleries, and the article touched on it a little bit, right, with 36% of the product coming out of these distilleries being whiskey, you and I know that a lot of these distilleries are being built to be whiskey distilleries that will then earn money off vodka and gin while they wait for the whiskey to age. Now, I understand that by comparison, geographically speaking, America is much larger than Scotland. I also understand from a, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? From a population standpoint, America is also larger than Scotland. Also true. Still, the number is absolutely <laughs> staggering. Absolutely staggering. Well, and on top of what you said earlier, which is, and, and I think the article speaks to why we don't have an accurate number of the number of distilleries in the United States, where 56 closed in 2020. What did that drop us to? I, I don't know. So here we are. As you said earlier, somewhere around 2,500 craft distilleries mm-hmm. in the United States, give or take 500, yeah, right? right? More give than take, <laughs> for sure. Right, yeah. right. And so it's already a vast, mind-boggling number without adding this 2025 projection of another 265. So it's, so it's big. We know that. It's big, big, big. The question for me is and why I think covering today's article has been of value, is who's drinking it? Where are they drinking it? And so I had, I had an idea when it, when it comes to this. And, and part of it I think about quite a lot when I'm on the road or you know, sitting behind a Zoom camera and I'm tasting people on M&H's Levantine Gin. Part of their pitch of Levantine gin is that all of their botanicals are coming from a local market in Tel Aviv, aside from Mm -hmm. the the juniper berries, 
because juniper doesn't really grow in Israel, everything else does. And that's their thing. They're trying to say, this is uniquely Israeli. And so who are their target customers? Well, it's, it's people who have an affinity for Israel, be they Jewish or Christian or Armenian or, or what have you, but there's people who have a connection to Israel. And, and so all of a sudden you have, you, you have a base if these people want to support that, right? And it, the article talked about it a, a little bit when it said that there are, cons, not consumers, but distilleries that are producing gins that are highlighting regional botanicals. And you and I have discussed this both on One Nation Under Whiskey and on previous episodes of Extra Extra, where when the discussion is about U.S. craft producers, there's really something to be said for someone wanting to support local. And, yep. and I, right? And I think about, like, think about all of our friends who live in Chicago, right? The numbers 312 mean something to them right? Or Illinois, right? Because it is so part of their culture. They're so proudly Chicagoan. And I have Chicago friends. You have Chicago friends that have the forced Chicago stars tattooed on them or part of their accoutrement, you know, whatever. There's a connection that they have. They really, they really have an affinity from where they're from, and they're really proud of where they're from. And, I, and that's not unique to Chicago or Israel or Dallas or you name it, right? So, so I think this regionality, this, this wanting to support local is, is really helping to drive this CAGR that has been in discussion during the article. Well, and I, I think as much as we talk about regions within Scotch. We really talk about Scotch, the product yeah. of Scotland. Yep. Yep. Look at how our 2021 has gone talking about Virginia single malt and Seattle and Pacific Northwest single malt and Texas single malt, right? There's, there's so much regionality behind what's happening at distilleries in the United States, mm-hmm. where, yeah, we are talking about American single malt producers, but then it's so much more specific within that. Actually, just yesterday, yesterday I received the, the Catoctin Creek uh, monthly email, and one of their taglines now is the Virginia Rye Whiskey. Hmm... So there's that regionality coming in again where I wonder in looking at the the growing craft movement over the last certainly decade and then arguably 15 years, 20 years, St. George's were there before a lot of people, right? Yeah. Um, hotlings with Anchor Steve you know, back then as well. So it's been interesting to see that rise of weird distillers. We are producers of, say, the rye category mm. or the bourbon category. And now as that tide continues to rise, we are Virginia rye or we are Virginia single malt or we're Texas uh, bourbon, uh, t- Texas single malt, I'm sorry, or 
Indiana Rye, mm, right? Now the mm-hmm. talk of will Indiana Rye become its own category, yeah, yeah. right? And so it's so interesting to have seen that that regionality become a part of this drinking experience. And if these numbers and this research is to be believed, and I really don't have reason to disbelieve it, um, that's really catching on with consumers. Well, I mean, let's... Let's be honest here. This this is the written word. It's black letters on on either a white screen or white paper. It's got to be true. Arguable, <laughs> controversial. Listen, I, I I don't disagree with what you're saying, and and I think it's obvious there are certain regions that have really captured the attention, the eye, the heart of the American consumer, whether it's Kentucky bourbon, Indiana rye, Tennessee whiskey, right? The, these these are tried and true things. However, they're tried and true because they've been tried and true for so long, right? Th- these have been long-standing things. And so it's nice to see Balcones, you know, really taking the charge with Texas single malt and other producers coming behind them, it's just mm-hmm. going to take this long while for a region mm-hmm. to actually become a thing. Westland with the Pacific Northwest, and we see Copperworks and Westward following suit. And you know many other producers up there really following suit to say, you know what, our region doesn't grow corn well, but we grow malt really well. And oh, so that's yeah. going to be our thing. And so, listen... I love the fact that we are going to see another 265 distilleries built within 2025 alone. And it'll be nice to see that grow and grow. My concern is, and, and, and again, we've discussed this on previous One Nation Under Whiskey episodes. We've discussed this on previous Extra Extra episodes. When is the bubble going to burst? When are we going to reach a point where there's going to be far more copper on the market than there is liquid that can fit on retail store shelves, right? And, and that's that's another thing. Stores are only so big. Their shelves only have so much space, right? But but there's there's two things going on in there in that comment alone, which is number one, how important will craft spirits futures be with regards to the traditional liquor store Mm. and how valuable will a direct consumer be Mm -hmm. and be the tasting rooms the people who come in regularly right that that's one part of it but then the other part for me and you know give you a shameless plug here you're welcome the other night, when you were running the the Impex Beverages uh, Drinks With yes. this, this new series, and we're listening to to Anthony Wills and um, and Billy Walker uh, and another couple as well. I'm not going to list everybody who was participating, but the question was asked: What do you do to protect yourself against the bursting of the bubble when things are going so well right now? Yeah, and both of those chaps, and the reason that I use them in 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 sharing this is because. I feel like they've seen a lot, especially Billy, over 50 years. But but Anthony, coming from an independent bottler's background and then into owning and operating his own distillery, where 
they said something so interesting that I think is so vital, and I'm thinking about it as we're covering this article, which is when there were previous lulls, previous down periods, we were not selling the way we sell now. And we didn't have markets then Mm. the way we have markets now. And then the point that I'm really getting to is we're discovering new consumers every single day. And, And I think this growth of US craft speaks to a rising consumer base that, yeah, you know, it, it could be Virginian for Virginian spirits, mm-hmm. but Catoughton Creek clearly goes beyond that. Virginia Distillery clearly goes beyond that. Um, you know, John Little over in, in West Virginia, it's Smooth Ambler, yeah. clearly goes beyond that. And so I just think there's growing consumer demand to keep exploring this category. And and when I think of there being a bust or a a bump in the road or a cliff to go off the edge of, I often think of the consumer being finite or the consumer's palate being finite. And I think the thing we've witnessed over this last decade, Mm -hmm. for sure, Mm -hmm is an excitement from consumers around craft. Now, did 56 distilleries still close in 2020? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Will distilleries continue to fall by the wayside between now and 2025 and 2025 and 2030? Likely. Absolutely, right? But there's still going to be a, a construct craft distilling construct that will be supported by an ever-growing consumer base. And and the chaps in the, the Impex Drinksworth were very excited yeah. about the next five to ten years. And I think if you're a craft producer in the United States, you've got every reason to be excited about the same time period. Well, uh, this is the last thing I'll say uh, I really liked what you had to say about direct consumer and tasting rooms. And granted, <laughs> neither of us have been to all the 2,500 distilleries around the country. and We haven't. I, I, I don't think we will um, you know, even come close to that number by 2025. However, however it'll be interesting to see, and, and maybe this is true, if some of these smaller distilleries are really doing the distillery version of your local brewery, right? Haida and I support local breweries. You know, we have... Um, oh, yeah. Right? Two Roads and Thimble Island and Stony Creek, all within just, you know, 10 to 30 minutes of us. You go there, you get some beers, you bring some back, you get from the food trucks... What do you do with these distilleries? You go there, you buy from the food trucks, you have some taste of whiskey, you leave with a bit of whiskey, boom, there there you go. So just because you build a distillery doesn't mean you're going to become a Buffalo Trace or a Glenlivet exactly, or one of these. Exactly, exactly. You could be the nice local local outfit. So No, uh, absolutely. And, and just to echo that before we get out of here, it's a conversation that I've had with Scott and Becky 
at Catoctin Creek, which is they have global dreams. And, and before COVID and tariffs, they were working diligently on those global dreams. Mm-hmm. They took a hit, they took a knockback, tariffs, COVID, tasting room, and all of that. And this was the point I was trying to allude to, to earlier. In being the Virginia rye, it's a product that you can take globally. And so I think there will be some players here who are working on being the best they possibly can be locally, maybe across a a single state border, what have you. Mm. And then there are going to be some who go national and some who go global. I wouldn't start out looking to be a global brand. I would want to start small, get established, know you can pay your bills, then work on what your dreams look like and ask yourself that question, what does make me different from everybody else in the category? There you go. There you go. All right. That was good. Oh, good, you good, put good. that in a bow, thank, Jason. Thank you. Really nice. Yeah, that was lovely. No, that was that was a that was a lovely article. It's it's a it's a subject we've really we've really dived into over the last couple of years, and I'm really excited to see the ways we can dip back into it and advance it mm-hmm. uh, as a conversation. Yeah, great. So, um, just before we get out of here, I'll let you know if you do need to reach out to us, either use info at singlecastnation.com. Or you could use questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. No E in whiskey. If you have a question for us that we could use in the One Nation Under Whiskey mailbag episode, send that to us by January 30 of next year. And uh, we're getting excited to record that episode. That's always a good one. Yeah, and we, we've already got about, well, I don't know the number, but it's, it's more than I can count on a couple hands uh, questions that have come in, so exciting news exactly joshua until the next episode i will bid you adieu and i will bid you a jaunt <laughs> two chins Artisanal spirits. I always read that as artisanal. That's another story. It's hard not to. Uh, it's hard not to. The, the trend for premium artisanal spirits is gaining significant traction across the U.S. IWSR analysts, could have fun with that word too, predict the gap between this, the, the jokes just write themselves, Jason, predict the gap between craft and non craft spirits will widen. What do you in think the when you see the years. gap? Fall into the gap. Do you remember that commercial? Widen.